Worship the Lord. Welcome.
praise you that every good gift is from you and we just are so thankful to come together on this wonderful day which is any day where God's people come together we welcome those who are here those who are in church online and God just send your Holy Spirit um, just around to teach us what you want today and we'll give you praise and glory and honor and everybody says amen all right an introvert's favorite time say hello to somebody next to you and our kids can head to the Haven kids
getting good at that. I don't even have to do it twice now. Yay! Um, I am just full of Jesus today. I am just so excited. I've just never seen so many new faces in this church. Welcome, ladies that came from Lewis to see Jack. And uh, it happens. What can I say? And some uh, old faces that are back. I'm just glad to see. And some new faces I've never seen. It's just great to have you here. I'm just so, I'm so excited. And we have lots of praises. Um, I, I know I'll get in trouble for doing this, but Every person in this room that was involved in Vacation Bible School, stand up. Because I'm telling you, 50 kids, 30 volunteers, yes! Unreal! And, um, and I can tell from all this extra stuff, I really am sorry I missed it, but I'm just not in fifth grade anymore. Even though I may act like it. But... I do have some praises today, and Vacation Bible School, thank you, everybody who participated, everybody. It was amazing. The kids are still talking about it, and I just need to shut up because I'm still talking about it. So anyway, uh, praise Miss Nancy's son, got her job situation settled, and she had asked us to lift him in prayer and see what prayer can do. It can do it. Um, Wes. We are excited for you. He's going to have that old pick line taken out and moving forward. So we're going to get that man healthy. It's all good. Um, Jacob, I don't know what you have tomorrow, but it's an audition or something. It is Jacob, right? James. James? Uh, my bad. I'll get that one day. Anyway, whatever it is tomorrow, good luck. You go for it. Um, Karen praises new job. She's very excited. All good. All good. All good. Um, and 34 years, Roger Kipp, I know you're out there watching, congratulations to you and Michelle, 34 years. All good, all good stuff. Um, and we have a couple prayers to lift. Um, Jen Gallo wants to lift Abby Miller, starting a new job tomorrow. Exciting, exciting. And she's smiling from ear to ear, so it must be something she loves. Um, and Lisa, we want to pray for Joe. He woke up with some hurting pains today, so we're just going to lift him up in, in prayer and take those pains away because 
let me tell you, those pink flamingos are kicking butt, so you're good. Um, and all of our veterans that are suffering depression and loneliness, let's remember them. Let's keep them and lift them because they gave up their life to take care of us, and I just can't tell you how much we appreciate that. Um, also, you saw on the announcement and in your bulletin, we have a women's retreat coming up. We are really getting excited about that, and if you want to volunteer in any way to help, um, stay after church in this lobby up front for about 15 quick minutes, um, and we are going to need men to do tables and stuff, so you can stay too. It's all good, okay? Got that? And uh, the registration's online. If you want to get signed up, get signed up, because it's going to be kicking butt or something like that. Um, I guess it's time to pray. Oh, and Annette, I wanted to lift her in prayer. She's been away for a couple weeks. Her son, Ryan, left for Marine Boot Camp, and he will be graduating on September 1st. So I'm keeping that family in prayer as they're traveling back and forth and all that good stuff. So let's keep them in prayer. Um, and if I forgot anybody, shame on me. So as we pray here, I'm old-fashioned. We put our hands on our knees. And we do that because we're giving it to God. I always say, let go, give it to God. Whatever, whatever you woke up with on your heart this morning. And for mom to get better, we pray for her. I'm sorry, that's who I forgot. I didn't write it down. I'm bad. Um, we just want to lift everybody that needs healing. Those that are going in for surgeries. Those that have financial issues. Give those to God. Give it to him. You will get back in an abundance. God gives. He gives and he gives with everything, with grace, with love. Give it to him. If you have family members who are suffering, pray. Pray for them and lift them up. God will heal them. And I want to pray for Pastor Jack today. As he's going to talk about, I'll be back. That's one of my favorite sayings, I'll be back. He's going to lead us down God's path in his word today, so lift him up. And I pray these things that Jesus will give to us and heal us. And I ask you guys to continue to pay it forward in God's name, because what goes around comes around, and God is good. And spreading his love is what it's all about. In Jesus' name, amen. Right, rather eventful, right? How's everybody doing? Um, did, uh, anybody deal with some issues with the storm the other day? That was pretty wicked, huh? 
About three minutes it went from I was taking stuff out of the, the luggage roof because I was lazy and didn't pull stuff off from vacation. And about uh, two minutes I was like, Judah, just throw the stuff in the car, you know. And, um, and I felt like I was going to blow away and um, end up in Oz. But hopefully um, no one ended up with so, too, too bad uh, things. Um, we are glad that you're here today, um, regardless. And we're glad um, for Church Online. Everybody say hi, Church Online. Very good, very good. They, they feel welcome. Church Online, you say, hey, everybody here. All right, good job. Um, so um, we're, sw- we're switching gears today. This is a, a QR code for your bulletin. If you didn't get one of those, um, you can follow along. Lots of scripture today. A um, few blanks, so you don't, it's not like uh, school and homework today. Um, but we're, we're going to set up for a series that we're doing called I'll Be Back. And when you say that, you've got to say, I'll be back, right? You've got to do your best Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, but, um, so we're going we're gonna to do that. And one of the most interesting topics, when you, when you poll Christians and you ask people things, um, one of the, the topics that they want to know most about, but it's, it's mixed because, and it's one of the most interesting, it's one of the most debated, it's one of the most focused on, um, it's uh, one that scares a lot of people. Um, it's the topic of end times prophecy, and primarily what, um, what in the world's going on, and it hits everybody differently. Some people are ultra-sensitive to it. You start to talk about it, and people get a little freaked out, a little scared, um, and some are like, oh, yeah, I've, I've learned about it. I like to hear it, but I've got other stuff to do, um, and then other people are like they could care less. Um, and I think all of those are wrong in some way. So we're going to spend some time in sharing that. I remember as a kid, which would have been like the 70s into the 80s, um, but in the, uh, in the 70s and into the 80s, there was a series of movies called Mark IV. Did anybody know it, remember these? And you're going to remember some of these because the first one was called Th- A Thief in the Night. Anybody remember that? And it was in, in the best uh, non-CGI world that they had back then. Some of the worst actors ever, um, but, but it, it, uh, it kind of freaks you out a little bit. Anybody remember watching that? And then most people, um, then it went to a distant thunder, and it always had that guy who was like, oh, and then the Lord's going to come, and they had this, ah, people were screaming. You're like, as a kid, oh my gosh, I'll accept Jesus. I'm scared, um, like that. And most of you remember the one that got me was the third one, the image of the beast. Anybody remember that one? That one I had nightmares about forever. Um, a guy sitting on a chair. It was kind of like a little lame little set, but it scared me as a kid to death. And then, then we started, we also had in the 70s, um, probably what kicked off a lot of that was a book um, called The Late Great Planet Earth. Um, and some of you remember that. And later, when it got closer to the, the year 2000, when everybody was freaked out about Y2K, remember that? I still remember seeing a lady with three carts full of water that she's probably still using to this day that she bought in uh, 1999. But everybody was so freaked out about Y2K that um, there was a series of books that began to come out. And it was actually one book, and it was supposed to be called Left Behind. Anybody remember that? And then it became a whole series. Like the first book was moving, and then they got a book deal, and it went out to like seven books. You know what I mean? Um, and, uh, but I remember reading that and thinking, oh, my gosh, I hope I'm not left behind. Um, and, and those kind of things. And so we, we had all this kind of stuff going on. And many of you might remember this and other kinds of things. Then Hollywood's taken all kinds of other things, making movies like The Omen and other kinds of things like that. But I know you're Christians, you don't watch any of that. Um, but anyway, um, it's, it's one of those things that a lot of people are, are really like scared or freaked out about this kind of stuff. And so um, when we look at biblical prophecy, one of the things that we need to learn is one third of your Bible is about prophecy. 
And most of that is about end time prophecy. And there's a lot of things that are matching from the Bible that are coming to fruition in our world today. And, um, and it's setting up for what many people believe, me included, the, the return of Christ. And so if you read in Ezekiel uh, 38, like some 3,000 years ago, predicted some of the movement that's going on in the world today. Um, the Bible describes a lot of what's going on. And in the Bible, we have a book or a conglomeration, a kind of a library in the Bible that has historically predicted future events. Um, and that should give you great confidence. Um, in, in your God because the Lord has, is not bound by time, but he reveals some of these things to us, that basically we have a living God who, is, uh, who is actually knows the future, can control it, and has written much of that down in your Bible. Now, of course, there are some reasons for concern because um, if you looked around the world, there's some way, reasons to be concerned. Um, however, what I'm going to do over the next four weeks is I'm going to try to unpack this for you and today is probably going to surprise you a little bit because I'm not going to give you what you think. I'm not going to scare you. I'm not going to freak you out, okay? So anybody who's a little nervous now that just moved to the, to the um, exits, don't worry. Um, hang in there. It's going to be a lot different. But we're going to talk about a doctrine that is really a, a key point of Christianity. And one of the things is we have some, some key points. A lot of times I think we spend more time on Christmas, which, yeah, Jesus was born. That's awesome, okay? But Easter is the biggest important because he died and rose again, so Good Friday and Easter. But here's the best part, and it's better than, than celebrating Advent of Jesus coming into the world. It's the fact, Advent, Jesus coming again. And boy, do I pray it's today, right? After the Eagles game last night, I hope it's today, all right? Um, it's preseason. Don't worry, Eagles fans, all right? Um, <laughs> don't get too excited either, Ravens fans. But anyway, um, so here's the fact. The fact is this. Jesus is coming again. He's coming back. And we should be excited about that. He, he, he says, I'll be back. And he means that. We, we know that he lived here once. We know that, of course, he was resurrected and he was sent into heaven. But he is coming back again. And we should be really, really excited about the fact that Jesus is coming back again. Now, the fact that he's coming back again is not a horror story, although many have been made about it. It is a love story. It's one of love. It's often what people think of the end times, as I said. You expect wrath and, and scary and all kinds of stuff. Like, you, God forbid, if you go ahead and you buy something at the store and it's $6.66, right? Everybody's like, oh my gosh. We don't know why we're freaking out, but we just know it has something to do with the end times. Oh, my gosh, the Antichrist just sold me something at Walmart, right? Um, or uh, we, we start talking about the Antichrist. We start talking about false prophets, and we start talking about marks of the beast and tribulations and famines and blood and terror. And those things do take place because there is a wrath of God that is there. But the second coming of, of Jesus Christ is predominantly about the love of God. Because God does not want anyone to be lost, and that's why he sent his son, so that God so loved the world that, they would save, uh, that we would be saved in and through him. And honestly, I have never seen in Scripture, until re really looking at this series, some of the things I, I, I saw and I want to share with you today. So I want to kick right off about Jesus' return and while he was still on earth. And what did he say? He said this in John chapter 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. What's he telling you? He's talking to the disciples, the believers, the followers. If you are a follower of Jesus, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let them be troubled at all. And that's a great message. If that's all you get for me today, you know, it doesn't matter 
um, all the stuff that's truly going to happen. If you love Jesus and you have a relationship with him, don't let your hearts be troubled. And so that's a great message for the day. You're going to be fine. Look at the person next to you and say, you love Jesus, you're going to be fine. Look at the person next, other, on your, other, your second choice and say, if not, if not, uh-oh. All right? Just go that way. All right? Um, so... If you're not, if you're a believer, it's the greatest news for you. If you're not a believer, it's the worst news for you. But if you're a Christian, you don't need to let your hearts be troubled. He says, you believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And look at, look at this part. Um, that I am going there to prepare a place for you. So Jesus is preparing something for us. Isn't that kind of cool? And he's saying, so here's what he's saying. He's saying, look, everybody, look, guys, here we go. I have to leave now. I, I know you think I'm leaving way too soon, but I'm leaving because it's not all about earth. I, I'm, I'm leaving because I got something to do. It's all about eternity. And because you guys decided to follow me, I've got a place picked out for you. And that's when we all like King James translation because we all want a mansion, don't we? Um, and so we say he's got a place, a room, uh, a mansion, a, a place that's awesome for us. And he says, so I got to go and get that place ready for you. And, and here's the most important part here. And he says, and if I go prepare a place for you, I will what? I will what? I'll be back, right? I'll come back and I'll take you to be with me so that, where, uh, so that you may also be where I am. That's the promise. The promise is, okay, I'm leaving. I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit. God's going to have to send the Holy Spirit. And I'm going because i got stuff to do. i got to make sure my, my daddy's house is ready. And when it's ready and when it's fully good and dad says, okay, now's the time, bam, I'm going to show up. And you guys get to come with me and you get to go, Woo! You ever go on a vacation like a really nice place? Not like a dive, you know what I mean? Like a really nice place. And you go on vacation and you walk in and you're like, oh, wow. These things that, oh, what's that button for? Oh, that's so nice. And you're like, uh, you never want to leave again. You know what I mean? Um, that's, that's what he's doing, preparing for us the best. Um, and he gets to take us. Uh, we get to go there if we believe in him. So it's not just he's coming back to rescue us and to say, hey, here I am. I'm the man for the day. He's not like, I'll be back and I'm the Terminator. That's not what it's all about. It's, it's about he's coming back because he wants to be with you. And he wants to take you to where he is and to be with him. That's what this is all about. The whole story of the Bible is very simple. That God created and God loved us and sin entered. And the whole rest of the story is this. He wants to, his family back together. And so he sent his son Jesus. He tried this thing in the Old Testament. Nobody could live up to it. It's called the law. Nobody could do it. And so he sent his son, Jesus, who did. And then he says, hey, guess what? Now I'm preparing a place for you so we can have a big family reunion. Anybody like family reunions? All right. If you say no, then you're the person that nobody likes at the family reunion. But anyway, um, he's basically saying this. I love you and I miss you. And my daddy wants his family together. Now, if you know the story of Jesus, you know he, was, he came. He was from heaven. He was born in Bethlehem. He was raised in Nazareth. He lived 33 years, spent only three of them in really public ministry. He suffered, um, was crucified on a cross, paying for the sins of the world, the past, present, and future. And on the third day, he was resurrected or rose from the dead. And then he spent about 40 days afterwards appearing in his glorified body to give final instructions. Now, I don't have this up here because uh, I got a lot of scripture. But in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you get to hear the last words of Jesus um, and and on this earth and he says it's not for you to know the times or days because he's leaving and they say you know hey uh how long are you gonna be gone for 
You know, because if you read anything about disciples before the Holy Spirit fell, they were a motley crew of, of like, mess-ups, right? And that gives me peace to know that God still uses a motley crew of mess-ups. But he goes ahead and, he, and they're like, uh, yeah, you're going, and we know you're resurrected and stuff, but, um, you know, Jesus, uh, how long are you going to be? How long are you going to be? When are you coming back? And he said, hey, it's, 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 it, he says this, he says, it's not for you to know those, those times, um, that the Father is set by his own authority. He says, hey, what? That's my daddy's business, all right? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So I'm leaving for now, but I'm getting stuff ready, and I'm gonna, you're going to see me like just go woo, up in the air. Um, and then I want you, but you got work to do. I got work to do because I'm going to get the house ready for you and everything. But you got work to do because you got to make sure that I'm building this house that everybody's in there. So what I want you to do is to be witnesses in Jerusalem. And what does that mean? That means you're in your town. You've got to share the gospel. You've got to share the good news of Jesus with the people in your town. And then Judea and Samaria, that's your region. That's your state. That's your, your tri-state area. That's, the, that's that area. I want you to share it with there. And then to the outmost points of the world, which is the outmost points of the world. Very good. You guys are good. Um, and so, in other words, your job is to get the word out. To get it out, to get it out, to get it out, wherever you go to get it out. And so that's the last words of Jesus. Now, we're going to focus on that in week three. Okay, we're going to focus on some of those in week three. But then in the, the verses that follow this, Acts chapter 1, verse 9, it says, after he said this, here we go, he was what? Taken up before their very eyes. This is what we call the great ascension. And a cloud was hidden from him. So he was just lifted up like, you know, up there. And until the cloud, his feet went through the cloud, and everybody's like, okay. And um, it says, they were looking intently to the sky. I love this because Jesus did not give them the day, the time, or hours, right? He said, that's, that's my father's business. I love the fact that it says right here, they were looking intently up to the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white, their angels, stood beside him, beside them. I truly believe that there would be like a whole bunch of little skeletons looking up in the sky because they were like, what time are you coming back? Uh, you know, dinner's about five. Can you hurry it up? Uh, and they're just standing there. He told them what? To go and be my witnesses in your city, in your region, and all the world. You can't do that standing and looking up into the sky. But they were like, uh, okay, Jesus, uh, where are you coming back? So much so that God sent two angels to say, hey, what the heck are you doing here? Right? And that's, that's what it says. What are you doing here? Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking in the sky? And it's like, you, he ain't coming back today. Go. Get back and do what you need to do. Get back and do what you need to do. And that's important because that's for us to, today as well. A lot of us are standing looking up in the sky going, okay, Jesus, do your thing. And he says, if you want to hurry it up, get busy. Go share in your town. Go share in your region. Go share into all the world. And when you do, then I'm coming back. But it's taking a long time because you ain't doing what I told you. All right? And that's, that's where, where we are here. And sometimes we need an angel to come. I'm your angel today. You like it? Okay? I'm going to say, get busy. We need to share the goodness of God. And so this was um, up, in, and he says this, and it's really important. He says, why do you stand looking at the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will do what? Come back. How's he going to come back? In the same way you've seen him go. So Jesus is like, man, up, up in the air. I like to think he's like Superman, you know, but um, went up like that. And then how's he going to come back? Ooh, right back down, right? And in the same way. Now, this was on the Mount of Olives, and many people believe that's where he's going to return to in that same place. And so uh, 
it's really kind of cool when you think about this. He's going to come back in that same way, and it could be any time. Now, many of us, what we call the signs of the times, are there, that, and they're being fulfilled. They're things that, people, that God has given us to recognize and say, oh, okay, it's getting closer. And we've seen some of those. The whole world seems to be staging itself along with biblical prophecy that said it would happen. Now, you may say, Jack, um, every generation thinks it's the generation. And true, they have. Um, they've all had somebody they could point to an antichrist. Um, they tried to figure out all kinds of things, like if your first, middle, and last name was, um, was all six numbers. I mean, everybody is going, you could, you could drive yourself crazy trying to figure that stuff out. But um, they've done that forever, and they're, but there's something different about our generation. And I want to share with you some of these. I'm going to share more in our series. We've actually seen more advancement of the gospel in the last 50 years than the previous 1973 years. More than ever. Most, um, more people have been saved in 50 years than those previous 1973 years. Um, it's, it's difficult to see, I realize that. But um, we are actually in a generation of revival. Of the 193 sovereign nations of the world, the gospel is growing faster than the population in all but 17. I'm going to say that again. 193, that's a lot, right? Almost 200. There are only 17 that the gospel is not outgrowing the population. The United States is one of those 17. All right? Um, there's actually five that are in decline, that are losing, and there are 12 that are just kind of stagnant. Um, and that's the United States. We're kind of stagnant. We, we gain some, we lose some, we gain some, we lose some. But there's a massive, massive revival taking place right now. And it's interesting in the countries that it's mostly happening at where it's spreading and people are giving their lives to Jesus. Do you know the number one country where the gospel is spreading the fastest? Iran. Isn't that amazing? Iran. And it's a church that's under extreme persecution, and it's growing rapidly. The gospel of Jesus is spreading. The second one is Thailand. Um, next one is Miramar, Algeria, India, Africa. And parts of Africa are Nigeria, Kenya, and Ethiopia. They are the top uh, five or six areas where the gospel is growing the most. And in week three, three I'm going to spend a lot of time with the statistics on that and, and what's happening. So if you're interested in that, you're going to be amazed because it is absolutely fascinating. And, and, and our church and many of us are involved in those things in all types of the world. Bottom line is Jesus is what? He's coming back. And there are over 300 references in the New Testament alone to the return of Christ or the end times. That's a massive part of your Bible, by the way, just to let you know. And there are 216 of the 260 chapters of the New Testament that either refer to Christ's return or the end times. There are, in 23 of 27 New Testament books have something to say about either Christ's return or the end times. So just to let you know, that means God put it there, and it's important for us to know. All right? And so that's why I'm sharing. Some of you say, Jack, Jack, why is there so much about this in the Bible? Because, and, and I really believe, and why, and why are we sharing? Because it's also a very different and dangerous and odd time. We look around and we see so much violence. We see inflation. We see lots of just insanity and, and moral decay. And the Bible says that there's a lot of people, even Christians, going through the culture at the end time. And it's going to be very rough on them. Matthew 24, Jesus said that the love of most will grow cold. Um, I think we've seen that, haven't we? We've seen that even in our own country where, where people are just, just crass to the needs of people in the world. And 
Jesus is coming back. He's coming back for one thing, a relationship. It's, he's not coming back for an organization. He said, oh, gosh, you got it well organized now. That's what I wanted. He's coming back for a relationship, not just a, a church building, not just a church organization, but he's coming back for what the Scripture says, a bride. And we're supposed to get ourselves ready like brides do for wedding days. Now, has anybody ever seen a bride get ready, a bridezilla get ready for a wedding day? You know what I mean? Anybody ever seen that? Anybody? All right. Um, it's, it's no joke. Am I right? It's really no joke. Uh, like, it starts early. Looking for the dresses. All right. You got that? Um, and they even had a show. Say yes to the dress. And you guys know what I'm talking about. All right. Um, and... And the guys, you just go, okay, pick out whatever you want. It looks fantastic. All right, you know, you, just to be safe. Um, so she's looking for dresses. Uh, deciding on colors, right? You know that whole color thing, deciding on colors? Guys, we would just be like, what's wrong with black and white? You know, I mean, like, you know. But anyway, there's colors and there's flowers. Flowers, right? Um, you're looking for venues. Anybody ever been to a wedding? Anybody been married, all right? Um, you guys are just afraid, and your husband's like, please shut up. Just move on, okay? Um, but... Um, and the day of the wedding, I remember one, you spend a lot, you spend hours, and you, you get all made up like you never look any other time, right? You know, we do that kind of stuff. Guys do too, okay? Um, and, um, but one of the things is, I'll never forget, I did a wedding one time, and the, the bride showed up, and the first thing she did when she got out of the car was, and we got like, we got like 20 minutes before the service was supposed to start. She says, I hate my hair. And I'm like, mm -mm, we ain't getting started in a while. And she went upstairs, pulled her whole hair out, and had um, her, her uh, future, well, her sister-in-law at the time, had her go ahead and fix her hair and have it done. And we were about 45 minutes an hour, and I was not rushing her because I like my head onto my shoulders. You know what I mean? I'm like, no, we're fine. We'll take it easy. Whenever you're ready to go, I'm like, people just hang in there. She's getting ready, okay? And everybody's like, okay, yep, that's what we'll do. And, uh, you know, it, it's just like, and there's a whole bunch of preparation. It's not like the bride just wakes up and the wedding's at 3 and she rolls out of bed at 2.30 and says, yeah, I guess so, I do. That's not how it's done, is it? It doesn't work that way. And so, so a bride prepares a lot, and I'm told by many brides that, you know, from a youngest age, that's something that you, that's kind of bred into your mind to look toward um, time and time again. And we are supposed to prepare ourselves as a bride as, and be a church on mission. And we're going to talk more about this in week three. Um, and so we've got to take these end times seriously, especially since we could be that generation. Because we're seeing more of the work of God take place in our lifetime than any other generation before. And that's the absolute truth. And the real reason why I want to sh uh, share this is because if you love the Lord, you should get encouragement that Jesus is returning. Not be afraid of it. And we should really be encouraged. And the truth is, most people are still afraid because they saw those Mark IV movies when they were little kids like I did in times. But... Um, we should be excited about the end times. And many of us may say, oh, my gosh, am I going to have to get, the, what's the mark of the beast? What is that? Um, oh, my gosh, what, what are we going to do? I, I don't know. Am I going to have to get, like, something on my hand or my forehead so when I go through Walmart to buy milk, I go, bleep, you know, and have that. There's a lot of that stuff going on, and many of us are so freaked out about that. And I want you to hear this, that if you are a believer, I couldn't have better news for you. Jesus loves you, and he's not bringing a horror story. He's bringing a love story back to you. It's a love story that he has. And so I want to show you this in Scripture. In 1 Thessalonians, we see this uh, section. It says, according to the Lord's word, um, we will tell you 
um, that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord. Now, there's going to be some that are, that are alive when Jesus returns and some that aren't. Um, and there's scores of believers who have died. All right? Now, in your mind, you're like, okay, so doesn't it say for to be absent from the body is present with the Lord? Yes. We are body, soul, and spirit. So when we die, our spirit goes to be with the Lord. Right? But we have this body that we put in the ground some way or we, do, or we keep it on the shelf. Right? Next to our dogs and all the other kind of stuff. Right? We, we do that. And here's the thing. Just as Jesus was bodily resurrected, he is going to give bodily resurrection to us too. And that's, and we'll meet it. I'm going to get a new body. I am so excited about that. You know what I mean? Like no love handles, you know, no working out, no aches and pains. Anybody like that idea? I might, I might even be better looking than I am. You know, that, I know it's hard. But, but anyway, the, I'm excited about that. that. That body that he created initially that was to be perfect, that sin destroyed, he it, it died, but guess what? He's going to breathe new life into that when he returns. And boom, I get to fly with a big S on my chest. And, and so I'm, I'm really excited about that. And it says, so um, there are several people that I got on the other side already. You know, I, I was saying the other couple of years that I'm starting to get more people on that side that I like than people here. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm, I, there's a lot of people that are present with the Lord. And they're going to have these, um, the, that when he returns, the dead in Christ rise first. Those bodies go, but it's a twinkling of an eye. So they don't think that, like, we're going to wait days. They're going to be like, boom, 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 and we're going to catch up with them. All right? Um, and we meet the Lord in the air. And here's what it says. We certainly um, not proceeded from those who have fallen asleep, for the Lord himself will do what? Come down from heaven. And he went up, so he's, like, coming back down. And with the loud command and the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. That's not the Methodists or Presbyterians, um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's the dead in Christ, those who are dead. I can say that because I'm a Methodist, all right, um, uh, by heart. It's, it's talking about the people who have died before. They, uh, we already talked about that. And after that, those who are still alive, what do they do? And are left, they will be what? What's that word? Caught up together with them in the clouds. We get, a, we get a reunion in the clouds. Isn't that cool? You ever been, like, in an airplane? Anybody been in an airplane? And then you get in the clouds, you're, like, over top, you're like, oh. This is cool. It's like mashed potatoes. You know, you're like, really like it. That's where we get to go ahead. We get to have a mashed potato reunion with all those people and with the Lord in the air. And what's really interesting, what does it say? We're caught up, correct? It's two words in English. It's one in, um, in Greek, in the original language of the Bible. And, um, and many people think it's been diluted, but it hasn't. They're using two words to kind of convey what this word is. And this word is harpazo. Everybody say harpazo. And it means to suddenly snatch, suddenly snatch. Now, I'm going to give you an example. Anybody ever played that spoons game with cards? You know what I mean? Like you have, the, you have the cards, and then you have the spoons, and there's enough spoons for everybody but one person. And so you're going ahead, and then you're, you're, you're trying to get, like, uh, so, so, much, so many matches, and you're doing that, and then you put them down, and then you get discard your cards here, and if you're fast, and somebody else can only look at one card, and the slow person is getting like all these cards, and then all of a sudden somebody has the match, and what do they do? They snatch a spoon, and then you see them snatch, and everybody snatches a spoon, except for one person, and you're out. You guys play this game. Everybody played it. All right. So you're going to you're gonna Google it later, and I'm like, we'll play that spoon game. All right. Um, but you, but you, and, and it's people like, oh, they just snatch it like that. Snatch it. That's kind of what's going to happen. We're going to be minding our own business, and God's going to say, go get him. Jesus is going to start ascending, and we're going to hear, whoa, here we go. And then you're going to have a, like that. And all of a sudden, dead people are going to, and then we're going to be like, and then we're going to be in the clouds and looking at mashed potatoes. We're going to be like, what happened? 
whoa, this is awesome. Oh, look at this body, right? That's what we're going to do. Just snatched up, snatched up. It's like we're fish. Anybody go fishing? You're like going around, you're like a fish is out there like, oh, food, then yank. You know, that's how it's going to be. We're going to be going through life and then yank the return of Jesus. And that's how it's going to be. And it's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing that we have and we get to meet him in the air. I, I want to sing, I believe I can fly. You know what I mean? What we see, and, and there's a, you may not have heard of Harpazo before. Anybody ever heard that before? I'm going to tell you the, the Latin, which was switched in the Vulgate when they translated it. Um, that word is one that you have probably heard. It's called rapturo, where we get rapture from. That's what rapture means. It means you're just like, you know, yanked out of here. And it's the rapture of the church. There's going to be a great snatching away. And um, we get to be caught up together with those who have gone on before. And so, and here's what happened. When we get snatched away, here's what happened. And so we will be with the Lord forever. We will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, what does he say? Freak everybody out about that, no? He says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. Don't be afraid of a rapture. Be excited about it. Be like, Lord, I, just, I got a lot of stuff to do, and I got businesses. We just kind of like, you know, hang me out of here right away so I can get there. And, you know, I've never noticed this, but it's encouraging to me. The main motivation is not that he's going to defeat the devil, which he's going to. It's not that he's going to overcome the Antichrist, which he's going to. We're going to talk about all that. The main motivation isn't wrath and fury and tribulation. Jesus' whole motivation for coming back is he wants to be with us. And he wants us home with his Father. That's the whole part of it. Why does it say he's coming and snatching us away? Because he wants us to be with him forever. And we should be encouraged by that. We should pray and believe that there's a revival getting ready to be poured out. And I want, Haven, I want to be part of it. And I want Haven to be part of it. And I believe the first drops of revival around the world are falling and so, Lord, I just pray that they'll fall right here in Cecil County and, and the surrounding areas in our state and across Maryland, across the United States. But I want you to notice the language that the motivation of Jesus' return is he wants to be with you and wants to spend time with you. And I think that's awesome because there's people I love that I don't really want to spend time with. You know what I mean? Um, but the Lord loves us so much he wants us all together. Um, why? Because you are not an organization. You're the family, the family of God. You're his kids, and the only thing God gets, think about this, the only thing that God gets out of the death of Jesus Christ is you and me. It's the only thing he gets. The only thing he gets at all. The, the, the work of the church, the end times, the tribulation, and all that other stuff takes place, but the only thing that he gets is you and me. That means he loves you immensely, and that's his main motivation. As a believer and follower of Jesus, you have, if you have the God spirit inside of you, you are a created being in God's very own image. The world will tell you things like you're a pond scum and you just kind of wiggled out of the pond and grew a tail and then you shook it off and then you, your body covered with hair and it stayed on a couple places and for some of us it even left there. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I, heard, I know a pastor who said, you, you go from goo to you through the zoo. Um, I think it's kind of funny, but um, you're not an animal, you're not a coincidence, you're a child of God created in the image of God. And the real story of the second coming is he wants to be with you. He wants to be with you. The, the first two chapters of the Bible start out really beautifully. It's creation, it's man and woman, and, and God in perfect harmony. And then sin enters, and then you got this whole mess 
that we're still living in now. And um, then you get to the last two chapters, and it shows God, man and woman, living together in perfect harmony again. And that's what it says in Revelation 21. It's where it begins. Watch this. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, which means that the current heaven and the current earth aren't going to be the same way when, when he returns and we're together, right? He's going to come together. He's got this whole other, other plan. And, it, and so earth is, not, earth is not going to, it talks about it being burned up, but it's like refined, all right? It's not like burned up and like thrown away. He's going to refine it. And, and it's going to be put together with heaven. It's going to be together here. And, and a lot of us think, you know, I don't know what I'm going to enjoy heaven because I like the stuff of earth. You're going to get to do all that stuff, all the good stuff in, in, in earth because it's going to be together. And those are the things that God planned for us. And so we get the best of both worlds, heaven and earth. And so we're, we're coming to this perfected earth that has, has uh, no tornadoes, no disease, no traffic on Route 40 right? Um, none of that stuff, but you're going to enjoy the good stuff. And it says this, for the first heaven and the first earth have passed away, and there was no longer any sea, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, which is the church, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a what? Bride. Notice this language. It's relational. It's relational. It's not a horror story. It's a relationship. It's a love story. Beautifully dressed for her husband, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, not, and look at what it says. He doesn't say, look, hey, I defeated the devil. You know, I told you I was going to do it. The Antichrist got what his 666 was coming up with. You know, bam, bam. I hit him 666 times. I don't know what it's about, but he's not saying that. He's not saying all that tribulation, all that stuff. None of that is what he says. He says, listen, and this loud voice from the throne says, look, God's dwelling is now among his people. And he will dwell with them. That's his goal. His goal is to be with you and you with him. It's not all the other stuff. It's part of it. But in order to be with you, he has to take care of that other stuff. It says, they will be his people and God himself will be with them. And he will be their God and he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There's going to be no more cancer, no more diabetes, no more heart disease, no, no more insurance, right? No need for it. There will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying and pain. For the old order of things has passed away. So the full motivation of Jesus returning is what? To be with you. To be with you and you with him. I miss you and I need my family. But you may say, oh, all right, but Jack, my life's a mess. A lot of people, a lot of us have talked ourselves out of the love of Christ in our life, because you look at your own life and you think, I know he's forgiven me, but he can't really like me because I'm a mess. It's hard for some of us to even begin to possess the love of God. I've got, I want to share this illustration with you. I have five kids, all right, um, from 25 to 16. And, um, and, you know, they're kind of cool most of the time. But I have one granddaughter. And she's the best thing ever, right? Grandparents, you know what I mean. You know, like the kids, you're like, all right, if I had to have kids to have that, that's awesome, all right? Um, and, and, and she's awesome, but and she, she doesn't speak a word. I mean, she tries. She tries to talk to me a lot. Like, I'll say, tell me, and she'll just talk. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Is mommy messing with you? Just tell Papa, it's okay. And she smiles, and she loves me because she's smart. All right, but um, and she's adorable and she's precious and she's cute. But the truth be known, 
that, you know, even when they, my kids were little and they do the same thing, I love them to death and, and that kind of stuff, that, you know, when you're these little babies and you're adorable and you're precious and you're cute, but you're precious and cute little disgusting creatures. <laughs> I mean, they poop in their clothes, you know what I mean? If I did that in your house, you'd be like, get this sucker out of here, right? Um, and, and so, and, you know, like they put their hands in places they shouldn't be and, you know, have stuff on it. You're like, oh, how did you do that? You're a little person. How did that go all the way up behind your shoulders? I don't understand that. Um, somebody come change this. You know, that's the other best thing, grandparents. Um, I think your daughter made a mess. You know, that's an awesome thing to do. Um, and, you know, uh, one of our kids, uh, I won't tell you because they may be here, um, kind of like painted a mural in their room with that stuff, and, you know. Most like, you want to change him? I'm like, no, I'm looking at him. I like, don't get him in the water somewhere. But, and I went upstairs, and I was like, oh, my gosh, can we repaint the whole room? You know, I mean, I don't know. Um, true story. Um, but anyway, um, they slobber all over you. Anybody been thrown up on by a kid? You know, like, uh, you know, as a parent, you just like, whatever, bodily fluids, okay, you know. Um, they don't communicate in the way they do. They, ah, ah, and they cry. And cry and cry, and you're like, oh, my gosh. Um, and for n- no reason or disruption, and you pick them up, and they're like, no tears. And like, eh. And you're like, what's wrong with you? And you put them down, ah, you know. Um, but, you know, like, my kids I'm crazy about. And Elle, my granddaughter, oh, she's awesome. I'm totally crazy about her. And, um, and, and you know, she still does all that mess, you know. But no matter what she does, I love her more than anybody. You know why? Because she's mine. She's mine. Right? You with me? She's mine. And she's a mess. Particularly when you hear that. <laughs> All right? Um, and, uh, you know, when that happens, I adore her more than ever, anybody in my life. She, she makes sounds that make grown men, like, envious. You know what I mean? And... And it's cute because she's mine. She's mine. Listen to me. God sees your mess. He knows the mess. And here's the mess you're making in your diapers every day. God sees you walking along going, and he's like, "Mm." but he adores you. He adores you because you are his. And there's nothing you can ever do to separate yourself from the love of God. And Jesus came for you, died on a cross for you, rose again for you, and he's coming back again for you. And you need to understand that, all right? So I, you know, I know what you're asking now. You're saying, okay, great. But I got to know, are we living in the last days? Honestly, truth be known, that's a really silly question because we only have so many days in our life. So it's always our last days, right? You got me? Are we living in the last days? I don't know. Yeah, for all of us, we are. Okay, um, if you knew it was the last days, though, would it would it change? And if it does, why not do it anyway? So what do we do? This is a love story of bringing back the love of God to us, and um, and so we need to get we need to know uh, how to get ready for this uh, bride thing, this relationship with God. First Thessalonians five says, this, "Don't get nervous because I'm gonna I'm gonna rapidly go through some things." Um, now, brothers and sisters, about the times and date, we do not need to write uh, to you, for you know that very well the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. In other words, you don't wait for a thief to break in. So a thief standing in your, 
in your living room, you go, oh, let me lock the door in case somebody comes in, right? You lock the door and you lock everything before the thief gets in. So that's what it's saying. It's saying, get ready. Do those things that we need to do. Check the windows. Get ready. Um, it's going to come, and, and we want to make sure that we are ready. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them, suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman. Time out here, all right? You aren't going to know the times. We don't know the times. So like several years ago when people say it's going to happen on May, whatever, and then it didn't, and then it's going to happen in October, and it didn't. You know, usually when somebody says it's going to happen this day, have a blast. Make some plans that day because he ain't returning then. You know what I mean? Because um, nobody knows the day or the hour. But we do know the season. And they said it's just like a pregnant woman. Um, you don't know. They, they'll give you a date when you're, when you're pregnant, but... A lot of times it's not on that date. It's around that date. But you definitely know when she's in the ninth month, correct? You know, because they're like, they're like doing the, uh, like this, and they're doing the, like when they're in bed, they're doing the roll over huff, the, uh, and you know, you know what I mean? I mean, there's a reason why God knew women needed to have kids, because the population would be a lot less if us guys had to have it, right? Um, and and so you're just like, oh, Lord, please deliver her. I mean, she's got, you know, and, and they, you know, it's just not, a, you, you know the season when that's happening. There's no mistaking the ninth month. And, and it's the same about Jesus coming. We have signs. We can know that we're here. And I'm going to show you some of those in a while. And it says, and they will not escape. The others will not escape because it's going to be too late. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness. Why? Because, um, because you, you've heard about Jesus and you have a pastor today who's going to go ahead and tell you and help you get ready for that. So that you can't say, Jack never told me. I'm going to say, oh, yes, I could. You remember in August? I told you. Right? Don't get me, Lord. Um, and so I want you to be ready so that day should surprise you like a thief. And we want to make sure. We want to make sure that we're there. All right? And it says this. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not like the others who are asleep but awake and sober. This is different than dead, okay? Um, for those who are asleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. Sleep is a metaphor for indifference to spiritual realities. It's the people who care less, say, eh, whatever, all right? Um, and awake is the opposite of sleep, okay? Um, and being sober. Sober means someone who knows the proper value of things and doesn't get too excited about the things of earth. That we don't get so excited about something here that it takes precedence over the Lord, all right, and his return. And that's what it's talking about. And he says, um, but since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath. There's a direct promise from God. We are not going, those who believe in the Lord, who have a relationship with him, are not going to suffer wrath, okay? Um, we're not going to suffer. That's a direct promise that I, from, from, the Lord, from the Lord's word that we are not going to suffer under the tribulation. I know some Christian things, pre-trib, mid-trib, all that, fine for them. I'm getting out of here on the first flight, you know what I mean? When Jesus returns, I'm like, whoo, there we go. You can stay here if you want. I'm out. Uh, the, God never wants his kids to suffer. Never, ever, ever wants his kids to suffer. And it, the scripture even tells us the Antichrist can't be revealed until um, the one that holds the Antichrist back is gone. What is that? That's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. And how does the Holy Spirit leave? When the church leaves, right? When the people who have the Holy Spirit living inside them, boom, go. Then the Antichrist is revealed, all right? Um, so I know I'm giving you a lot. main point is God does not want you to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation. But 
That's why it says, but to receive salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us that whether we are awake or asleep, we may what? Live together with him. Therefore, here we go again. Encourage one another and build each other up in the fact that you're doing. Before we get into all the details of 666, end times, and revelation, I want you to know that you do not need to be nervous. You need to be encouraged. We not only get Paul's teaching, but we get somebody who hung out with Jesus a lot, Simon Peter. And we'll rip through these really quick. Are you ready? Put your seatbelts on and your trade tables up. Here we go. All right. In, um, and I'm sure Peter and, and Jesus and others had a lot of discussion. In 1 Peter 4, 7, it says, The end of all things is near. Therefore, when you see a therefore, you've got to find out what it's there for. Okay? Therefore, be clear-minded, clear self-controlled, so that you can pray. Here's the three things. Number one, get right with God. Get right with God. Just get right with God. It's not as hard as some people try to make it. If you're not right with God, you don't need to tell me. You, need, you have a Holy Spirit who's going to mess with you and tell you what you need to get right with God. Jack, how do I get right with God? Scripture's very clear. If we confess our sin, it doesn't say if we confess our sin and we, we live perfectly. It doesn't say that. We should all go, whew, all right? It doesn't say that. It, say, it says stop doing that stuff, but he said he wants us to believe that his goal is, is to work in his perfection, to work those things, but not to be perfect. He did not say, if you confess your sins and never, ever sin again. There's no place in Scripture that says that. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you. He, here we have here, um, Peter says, the end, the end of all things is near, therefore be clear-minded, self-controlled, so that you can play. Clear-minded is get that junk and that nonsense out of your mind and get it in line with, with the Lord. Be self-controlled. Get yourself together, mind, body, and spirit. All right? As much as you can. We're all sinful. We're going to fall short of the glory of God. But get your mess together as much as you can that it depends on you. Um, pray and seek God. I'm praying for revival that masses of people commit or recommit their lives to Jesus. But I also need to recognize I got to get my mess together. And Lord, um, I want that for the world, but let it begin with me in this church and this area and my, my Jerusalem, my Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We all have to get right before God and get closer to him and pursue him. Repent of sin and wrongdoing in my life and my attitudes. We've got to get over ourselves and get ready like a bride for the wedding day. Revelation 19 says, Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. 2 Peter 3.10 says this, and it's 2 Peter, says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief and the heavens will disappear with a roar and the elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. That's the horror stuff. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. Getting right with God. Right? Second thing Peter tells us to do is we should rely on having solid relationships, solid godly relationships around us. First Peter says this, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality and point uh, and, and offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. The point is simply this. I've got a multitude of sin going on in my life and you've got a multitude of sin going on in your life. And if you do have those multitudes and it keeps going and it keeps flourishing and keeps going, I would dare say that most of us who have this, you know, just bubbling up sin that keeps going, it just means miss the mark of God, just stuff that's 
It's not connected with God. I would dare say that we don't have relationships that are accountability. We don't have people that we can go to. Like we need to, be, we need to have people in our lives that we go to when we share some of the worst things that we've done. Not so that they can go ahead and put it on Facebook, but so that they can go ahead and love us through it. And I have some people in my life I can share absolutely anything in my life with, and they will tell me I'm stupid. They will tell me, get your act together, but they will love me unconditionally. And a lot of times where we live is we're afraid to share anything because we think people will leave us. We need people who are unconditional loving us because of the love that God has extended to each other and to all of us. So here's the thing. If you want to see change happen in your life, you confess to God, but you also need people in your life to confess to God's people. Now, I'm not saying you walk into a church the first time and say, hey, let me tell you what I did. I killed somebody this week. You're like, no, what? Um, you, you need to have people in your life that you can lean on and depend on, and you need to be that for somebody else. And did you know that God's plan for transmo- transformation takes place in your life based on relationships? That's why in Hebrews chapter 10 it says this. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Like, come on, Jack, get your act together. Come on, you pick it up. Let's go. Hey, I'm going to go with you. Why don't you come with me to small group? Why don't you do this? Come on, let's go. Let's go. Why don't you work in a nursery? Are you crazy? I'll do it with you. I don't like kids either, right? You know, whatever it is. People need to spur one another on. And, and why? It says, and not giving up on meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. One of the biggest tragedies of COVID-19 is we separated ourselves. And we found ways to exist by ourselves. And we, we, we lied to ourselves thinking all kinds of other ways are exactly the same. It's not. It's not when you're together with people. It's not when you're together with people. All right? Um, and then it says, uh, it continues on, and he says, um, but encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day, capital D, approaching. That's the day of Jesus' return. And so what do we do? It's time to recommit as a church. We're going to be together. We're going to be a family. I need you. You need more than a sermon. You need encouragement in the hallway, and you need your family. When I see you in Walmart, you need encouragement. Um, and I need to encourage you, and you need to encourage me. And that's why I'm inviting everyone who doesn't have a church to join one. I'd love for it to be here. If it's not, find one that you're together with, one that's fellowship and committed to the, to the Lord. Um, that's why in, in our church we have, a, we have a particular plan where we have step one, Haven 101. That's our membership class. A second one, Haven 201, it's discover your purpose because we believe that God has given you spiritual gifts and has given you a personality to use it together. And we spend time just doing that. Um, and the 301 is like, hey, here's what we're doing, and here's how we connect you. Those are intentional to get you connected into the family, into the church. And so we need, and help us be there for each other. So if you're going through a hard time um, making it, and you don't have solid relationships, you need people who pray with you, who stand with you and encourage you, and you doing the same for others. Number three, here we go. Number three, we should also do everything we can to make a difference. Everything we can to make a difference. Here we go. First Peter, once again, he starts by saying the end is near. We read that already. Each one of us should use whatever gift he has to um, receive to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. All right? That's pretty powerful. Um, If anyone speaks, he should do it as he speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised. That's what it's all about. Through Jesus Christ, him, glory, power, and honor forever. God has put us all on some kind of assignment. And you want to know, you may ask Jack, when's it all, when's the end going to happen? 
When's it end going to happen? Jesus himself said, and here you go, I'm going to give you a hint when the end's going to happen. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. How do we get Jesus to return quickly? We do what he told us to do. Go to Jerusalem and share the gospel. Go to Judea and Samaria, share the gospel, and to the ends of the earth. And he's just, Jesus is just waiting. He's like, can I go back yet? He's like, no, I need some more. That place there doesn't know yet about. Come on, let me go. Jesus can't wait. He's excited. That's why I think he does with a loud command, like, yes, woo! He's like coming out like fire and like, boom, yeah, here I am, woo! Like, you know, like a, a UFC fight or whatever. He's coming out from heaven like, yes! And, and a trumpet, Bruh! That's awesome. That's a lot more exciting. I hope you guys are a lot more excited than you look right now. Um, um, so we need to share in the work that we do. And the last thing Jesus said to earth, I already told you when he was taken up to heaven. But there's this really cool thing that we get John on the Isle of Patmos, and we're going to study that next week, um, where he gets a revelation of God. And Jesus shows up in his glorified body in front of John. And John had spent three years. John was like, he called himself the disciple that Jesus loved. He was the youngest one. So Jesus was kind of like a father figure and a savior and everything there um, to him. And, and, and John's there and he had seen Jesus resurrected. And if you have a red letter of the Bible, these are the last words that are associated to Jesus in Revelation. Um, chapter 3. And, and it's one that many people know and, and have heard for years. But in Revelation chapter 3 verse 20, he says this. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him. And I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Hello, you see what that says here? He says, I'm standing at the door knocking. I'm at the door of your heart. Jesus is like, can I go back yet, Dad? Knock, 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 not yet. Knock, 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 knock. He's knocking on, on the door of your heart, knocking on the door of your heart. And he says, I'm knocking, and if anybody opens the door, I'm going to come in, and we're going to eat dinner. Isn't that awesome? The first thing that we do is there's an intimacy. We get to eat. You guys don't like food as much as I do, right? I, I like eating. I mean, that meal's got to be really good prepared by, by Jesus that he's got for us. He's bringing back a relational love story here. The first thing that we get to do is not go, hallelujah, hallelujah. No, we get to eat. Right? If you go to family reunion, if everybody said, hey, good to see you, let's sing hallelujah, you'd be like, what? Where's the food? Where's the fried chicken? Where's, like, all the, where's that like pretzel stuff that's awesome? Whoever put that together should be first place in heaven, right? Um, but, you know, that's what you get to do. You get to eat. Anybody hungry now? All right? I'll start mentioning food and make you hungry. You know, and all that fails in comparison to what Jesus, and I get to sit at the table with him. Remember he said that last week we get to sit on his throne with him? I'll be like right there with him. You know, I'll be scooting you ever say, I'm getting close to Jesus. And I'll be eating something at the same time. That's awesome to me. And, and that is so amazing. Why? Because it's relation. He wants his family all together. It's not a horror story. It's him bringing back a love story to us. It's a family reunion. And with that in mind, I want to show you one detail as I close this out today about the resurrection of Jesus. We talked a little bit about the resurrection of Jesus last week, but the morning that Jesus arose, we had the story where um, the disciples are told, and Peter and John 
run to the tomb. And John's really good. He wants to tell you he's faster than Simon Peter, and he's in better shape. And he said, I got to the tomb first. Even though Peter started out first, I outran him. I, I just, I find that very funny. Um, and he said, but when he got there, he didn't go in. Now, Peter's so like, uh, duh. He goes right in. And when he goes in, we learn something that he sees. And he goes in and he sees like the, the grave clothes that were wrapped around him just all over the place. All right? Like the ones that were wrapped around him just all over the floor. But then it says this. And it's in John chapter 20. And I think this is so cool. And the napkin that was around his head was not lying with the linen cloths that are all over there, but it was wrapped together in a place by itself. So, so here's what's really cool. You got Jesus, they wrapped him up and they had these things like that. So he's wrapped up like this. And then what they would do is they put this kind of cloth over your head and they called it the napkin. That's kind of like what it was called. And so the napkin was a separate cloth. All the other cloths are all over the ground. Like it's like your kid's room. You know, like all over the room, all over the floor. But the napkin was wrapped together in a place by itself. And as someone translation says, it was neatly folded. John knew this was important. And I think it's really awesome. And I think, here's Jesus on Easter. He's like, okay, get this off. And he's pulling this off and he goes, hmm. Puts it down. Folded it. Jesus had to fold it, right? Why didn't he pick up the other stuff? Why didn't he pick up the other stuff? I don't think it means that Jesus was just tidy. I think it means the same thing that it does today. In Hebrew culture, when you got up from the table and you weren't done with your meal, you folded your napkin nicely and put it down. But when you were done, do the same thing that we do. You have your plate, you have your nice napkin, what do you do? You don't fold it, you just chuck it on the, t- on the plate, right? Chuck it on the table. Jesus folded his napkin. You know why? He ain't done yet. He's coming back for another meal, but it's going to be a family meal. And we're all going to be together and eat in one place. Ain't God awesome? Isn't that an awesome thing? I'm more excited about that than you. And so when he folded that napkin, when he folded that napkin down, he, he, he said it was finished what he needed to do, but he wasn't done eating. He said, you know what? Hey, I'm going to fold it up because I'll be back. I'll be back. All right? Everybody good? I want to be ready. I want you to be ready. So we're going to have a good time the next couple weeks. Come on back, and um, we'll, we'll just celebrate the Lord. All right? Okay, let's stand. and Let's worship the Lord. You're not freaked out? All right, good. Focus on, on what God has for us today um, in all this. I know, I know I threw a lot at you today. It's kind of an intro to this. Main thing is I want you to know is the reason why is, is the fact that Jesus died, he rose again, and he's coming back. He's coming back. And he's coming back for, for you and for me. He's knocking at the door. If you've never opened your heart or your life to the Lord Jesus Christ to just receive what he has for you, he's knocking. He's knocking. He's knocking. He's knocking. And he's saying, hey, open up because I'm not done yet. 
Yeah, I did a lot of stuff here. I, I, I changed the whole facet of the whole universe, but I got another meal, and it's not one I'm going to eat by myself. I'm going I'm to eat with you. And so today, um, just if, if you never accepted his offer of love and forgiveness, receive that today. He has so much that he wants to do. And, and pray that, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Today, today, Lord, whatever I'm doing, I hope you snatch me away. I hope you snatch me away. And let us get ready for that, for that day as a church and as a people. Let's just pray. Lord, um, I come to you today, and we just love you. Um, we're not perfect. We're not a spotless bride. Um, but, God, we, we, we praise you. I thank you that you love me and you love us so much that you want to be with us. And you want us to be where you are. And, and so, God, help us do what we need to do to prepare by in our Jerusalems, in our, in our homes, in our place of work, in our families, that we begin to, to share the gospel in the regional areas around us and wherever we go. Extra place, let's share the love and goodness of God. And, and God, in, in our world, help us through our church and through other amazing areas, just keep spreading the gospel in your world. There's no reason why in this greatest country that we have that we should be stagnant. We should be exploding with the good news of Jesus Christ. That, that we should just, the world should see us as a light and shining for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that begins with me and with you and with all of us. So God, just move in us. As we, as we see this, help us know that this is not something, it's not a horror story, but it's a love story. You're coming back to bring the love. So God, I can't wait. I can't wait for that day when the trumpet, when the, the, the trumpet and the yell and, and the loud command and I get to rise up and fly. And, but the main thing is I get to be with you forever. And I get to eat a meal and I get to live in a place with you. That's your whole heart from the very beginning is to be in fellowship with all of us. So God, move in our hearts here today. As Yes, we will receive our tithe and offerings. And if you're visiting, we don't expect you to give. We want you to receive what God has for you. That's the main thing. And that's his son, Jesus. For the rest of us here that, that give and support this church, I thank you for their gifts physically, spiritually, monetarily, whatever way. And God, just continue to send your Holy Spirit on each of the giver and the tither. Multiply them to further your kingdom so that we can reach the ends of the earth. But ultimately, God, it's about relationship that you love each one of us so much. And all our mess, all our dirty diapers, you love us so much because we're yours. There'll be people that are here to pray in the front and in the back. And and afterwards, we'll be glad to continue that because it's about relationship. And we're family, the family of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Lord, I
Your grace is more. Your grace is better. Have a great week for the Lord. God bless. Be back next week.